foundational principles to build that organization upon. And for us, it's these five core values that we're walking through beginning last week with biblical authority. And what we said about biblical authority uh, last week is basically it's this moment where you ask yourself, whose way is better, God's or mine, right? Who, who's, who do I really trust with everything in my life. And biblical authority, along with the one we're going to talk about today and the others, you could look at these as the hills that we're willing to die on as a church. There will be lots of negotiable decisions over the next 50 to 100 years that the Bridge Fellowship exists here in Colorado Springs, but these five things are, are not up for discussion. We believe that these are foundational to everything that we're trying to do here as we love people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the reason we're calling it a better way is because we believe, and we really do believe this, that when Jesus came and lived here on earth, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, he rose again and defeated death. When he did all that, he didn't just do it so you could get out of hell free, so that you could have fire insurance and go to heaven when you die. And by the way, those are great things, and he did come for those reasons, but not just those reasons. We believe that Jesus came so that you can have a better life right now, in 2017, before your funeral, that, that we believe that the kingdom of God is right now, and, and he, want, he has an amazing plan for your life, and, and the, the million-dollar question that we talked about last week is, do you believe honestly, truthfully, deep in your heart that his way is better? And, and that's what biblical authority uh, is all about. And so, so today we're going to tackle another one of our, our core values that we have around here, and we call this intentional outreach. And I'm just going to uh, set the record straight right now. This is a message that some of you are not going to like. Number one, because we're going to talk about this church getting bigger and reaching more people. And I meet people all the time that say, man, I love the Bridge Fellowship. It's so small. Well, it's not designed to stay that way, right? Healthy things grow, okay? And uh, I tell people all the time, if small church is what you're looking for and you hate big churches, you're going to really hate heaven. Let that sink for a minute, okay? All of you, you know, some of you, like 2 o'clock this afternoon is going to go, oh, that's because there's going to be a lot of people. Now, oh, I get it. He's so smart, that pastor. Anyway, um, so, so here's why... Uh, intentional outreach is so important to us here at the Bridge Fellowship. First of all, in Matthew 28, and you don't have to turn there, look it up later to make sure I'm not making it up. In Matthew 28, in Jesus' final words, he's literally about to leave earth and go back to heaven, and he still hasn't come back. He's coming back one day, but in his final words on earth, he said these words, now go make disciples, right? In all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like we did just now, and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And, and, and when he said that, notice in that statement, there was never a number attached to it. There, there, was, there was not some uh, clarifying statement that said, now, when you get to 250 people a week, don't invite anyone else, because then you're good, right? That, he never said that. 
In fact, he said in all nations. And that, that's, that's overwhelming when we think about it. It's not just here in, in this community, Northeast Colorado Springs. It's not just in Colorado. It's not just all across the United States. He commanded us to, to go tell people about Jesus all across the world in every nation. And we'll get to that part in a minute. But my paraphrase of Matthew 28, 19 and 20 goes like this. Go find lost and hurting people and point them to Jesus. That's my paraphrase. That, that, that's, that's what we're after here. And if you, if you want a, a, just a real snapshot of Discover the Bridge class afterwards, if you can't stay today, which you should because there's free food, but if you can't, listen to me. That's who we are. Finding lost and hurting people and pointing them to Jesus. Helping people bump in and, and introduce them to Jesus so that he can change their life like he's changed ours, right? Hopefully that's how you feel. And, and I, I got news for you. There's a lot of things in my life that selfishly I wanted to do with my life rather than pastor a church. I do this because of how he changed my life. That's why I do this, because the, the message, Jeremiah said, it's like a fire in my bones. I, I just want other people to know the hope and peace that I know. And that's, that's why we have this thing called intentional outreach, right? And, and the, the reason the word intentional is in there is because if we're not intentional about reaching out to people, it probably won't happen, right? We live in a culture today, Western culture is the worst. If you go to, to some other cultures, even in Europe, but especially in underdeveloped countries in Africa and beyond, there's this community aspect of doing life in the streets, together. Like everybody lives in the streets together and they commune together. And Western culture, American culture, has perfected this, this habit, this terrible habit of as soon as I get home, I have the garage door already open. I pull it in. I shut the garage door before any of my neighbors can say hello to me. When I'm out mowing the yard, I keep my head down so I don't make eye contact with anybody because if I do, I might have to have a conversation. And the worst thing that could possibly happen is I'm out getting my mail and I hear a neighbor say, hey, Steve, how's it going? And then I have to actually converse with them. Does that sound broken to anybody else? especially when you hold the truth inside your heart that can change someone's not just life here on earth, but their eternity. Like, it just seems backwards that we would be so protective and, and so afraid to have this conversation with people. And so, so we unashamedly say intentional outreach is one of the core foundations of this church. And, and uh, the best way we can define intentional outreach and, and, frankly, the best marketing plan we have. Now, sometimes we'll put out signs, we'll advertise on social media, but the best marketing plan we have is this right here. One friend saying to another friend, come and see. And, and I, I want to be careful in my statement there. I'm not saying that the Bible is telling you to go to your neighbors, co-workers, family members, friends, and invite them to the Bridge Fellowship just so the Bridge Fellowship can be bigger. That's not why we're here. We think it's a command of Jesus to go to your neighbors and friends and say, come and see so that they can find out for themselves the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. And maybe then in turn they'll share it with somebody else. That, that, that little phrase, come and see, and, and, and you guys can leave those three words up there on the screen. Those words, come and see, actually come from a story in John chapter 4. 
because of time today, we're not going to turn there, but I want to give you the highlights. Jesus is going about his normal business, and he goes to a well to get something to drink, and he runs into a woman there, not just any woman, but a Samaritan woman. And if you know anything about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. They despised each other. And so it was not customarily acceptable for Jesus to speak to a Samaritan, let alone a woman. Because in those days, a woman was little more than property to a man, and especially a Samaritan woman. Jesus should have, he had no business having a conversation with this woman. But Jesus was the original intentional outreach guy, right? And so he starts this conversation. Long story short, she realizes who he is. And the Bible says she ran back to her village and literally said to everyone who would listen, come and see this man who changed my life. That's all she did. And, and, and the thing that should be encouraging to you today as a believer, not just as a member of the Bridge Fellowship, but as a believer in Jesus Christ, the thing that should encourage you is, notice in those three words, there's nothing about having a seminary degree. There's nothing about having the right answers to all the questions. It just says, come and see and decide for yourself. That's all you got to do is invest in them and invite. And so this is where I stop for a minute and just have a little family talk here. And here's how we feel about this come and see principle here at the Bridge Fellowship. Or at least this is how I feel. I can't say this is how all you feel, but I have the mic. So here's how I feel, we feel as a church. If you're going to be a jerk at your office, please don't invite people here. Right? If you're going to be that neighbor that gossips about everybody else and turns your nose up at everybody else and acts like you're better than everybody else, please don't tell people you go to the Bridge Fellowship. Okay? It sounds silly, right? But I'm, I'm begging you. Please don't do that because that's not what we're teaching here. We're sharing the life-changing love of Jesus Christ with lost and hurting people. And if, if you're out there going, come to my church, come to my church, and then treating people like crap, doesn't make a lot of sense right? So come and see. All you got to do is love them and then invite them. A lot of people that I've met over the last 25 years of doing ministry, they're scared to have that Jesus conversation. And, and I get it. It's more scary now than ever before because there, there are, there's more uh, negative propaganda about Jesus and Christians than there ever has been, especially with the internet and social media. And, and so it's awkward. Like, like, and I don't even advise this, okay? I don't even advise having that conversation with someone at work. Like, don't peek over the cubicle tomorrow and go, hey, do you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? If you were to stand before Jesus in heaven right now, what would you say to him, right? They're going to call HR, okay? That's what they're going to do, okay? So, so please don't do that. And I realize that that's awkward for some people. Now, let me call a quick timeout and say, if God, if the Holy Spirit sets up that moment for you to tell your God story to somebody else, just talk like a satisfied customer and say, here's how my life was before Jesus, I handed over the keys to him, and this is how my life is different today. That's all you got to do is share your God story with, with other people, right? So uh, everybody else that feels awkward about it, all you got to do is come and see. Come and see. And here's something, and, and I'm not professing that we have this perfectly yet. But something that your staff, your elders, your key volunteer leadership here at the bridge is 
relentless about and, and critically committed to in our hearts is we want to create an atmosphere here that you are proud to say to your neighbors, coworkers, and friends, come and see. I, I want to be able to, you to be able to have a conversation with someone at work and go, no, 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 my church is good. Like, come on, just come see for yourself. Like, I, I can't wait for you guys to have those conversations with people so that they can come, not just see that we're a cool church, but that we serve an amazing God, right? That, that's what we're, we're after. So, uh, so in, in, in turn, right, those three words literally make up how we feel God will best build his church. He's not going to build it by us spending tens of thousands of dollars on a marketing campaign and having billboards all over the city. Listen to me, as long as I'm the pastor of the church, that's not how we're going to do it. The way we're going to do it while I'm allowed to be the pastor here is that you're going to go to your friends and co-workers and go, come and see. Come and see. Just come see for yourself. That's the best advertisement for Jesus we could possibly have. And I don't know why he chose it that way, but he's the one that chose it, not me. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He's the one that said, you go and make disciples, right? Not, not just the pastor, not just your staff members, not just clergy, but you. Like you're the best salesman the gospel has. And, and listen to me, don't forget this this morning as you walk out of here. I don't care if you have your life together. I don't care if you look in the mirror and go, People probably will be shocked when I even tell them I'm a Christian, right? You, you know, I don't care what that is. Listen to me. You are intentionally designed and placed where you are in life to reach people that I will never reach. Like, at your office and the things that you're involved in and the hobbies that you have, you can reach people that don't want to listen to me right? And, 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 and you need to be proud of that and, and take that on as your personal mission in life and go, I am going to be a come and see Christian. I'm not going to tell people how to live. I'm not going to judge people. I'm just going to say, hey, Jesus changed my life. I go to this church called The Bridge. Come and see for yourself. That's it, right? So um, look, look at this. In other words, if we, if we kind of reword all that, right? If Jesus is making a difference in your life through The Bridge Fellowship— why wouldn't you invite someone else to experience that with you? Like, it just kind of makes sense, right? If, and this is going to be kind of a cheesy example, but I can't think of any others, and I'm not that smart, so just go with it, okay? If, if you had a disease, right? Let's just say you had cancer, and you found the cure to cancer, and it made you well, wouldn't you want to share that with other cancer patients? Like, it just makes sense, doesn't it? And so we don't, we don't have the the cure to, to a terminal disease, we have the cure to eternal life. Like we have the cure, right? And so why wouldn't we want to share that with people? So yes, we're going to read the Bible today. Here we go. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And uh, just stay with me because at first it may not sound like we're talking about intentional outreach here, but um, I, I assure you at the end we'll, we'll get there, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this. Now beware of and we're going to stop right there. And I know what you're thinking. If you go this slow, we're going to be here till dinner time, okay? And, and you're right, we would, and I'm not, so don't judge me, but I, I got to stop on these two words because they're very specific. And, and listen to me, these are Jesus' words. He's talking. Remember last week, you talked about this sermon that he preached on the side of a mountain. We're still in that sermon. This is the same speech, thousands of people listening, and Jesus is talking about handing over every area of your life to Jesus Christ, and he, he's talking about different areas. And he, he, 
He knows the crowd that he's talking to here in this moment. And that's why I believe he uses these two words, beware of. Because those two words in the original Greek uh, actually translate to the words, take heed, right? Beware in the original Greek meant take heed. And it's a sailing term. And a lot of the people sitting on the mountainside that day listening to Jesus, you know what they did for a living? They fished from a boat. And so as soon as he said a sailing term, everybody listening that day went, oh, I get that, I get that. So, so what he's saying here is this, look on the screen. He's saying, what we're about to read, take heed that you do not veer off course while steering your ship. If you do not take heed, you'll end up in a very different place than you intended. Now to a sailor or a fisherman, that makes total sense because when you set out to sail, you know where you're going, you have it navigated, you want to go, but if you veer off course, if you don't take heed, if you don't stay focused, then you'll veer off course and end up somewhere that you didn't plan to be, right? And so here's what Jesus is saying in this moment. He's saying, don't miss what I'm about to say because I don't want you to go off course in why you do the things that you do. And this is what he's going to talk about. So here's the full text. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, Or you could put in here, right, instead, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and I'll explain that in a minute, and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've already received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, now let me explain why we're talking about this, because when you, every, everything I've just said is go, go tell people, come and see. Okay? What in the world is Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 3, 1 through 4, that's talking about giving to the needy and, and uh, uh, doing things that, so that other people will praise you? What does that have to do with telling people to come and see and decide for themselves? Well, we'll get there. But first, let me explain what's going on here. See, Jesus knows the culture of this time. And what would happen is, when people gave the offering during Jesus' day, it was usually down at the altar in a giant metal bin. Okay, just picture a giant metal bucket. And so some of the really religious guys who wanted people to know just how religious they were, they would take their paper money. They had paper money back then. They would take it and exchange it for all coins so that when they walked up to the metal bin to dump their offering in, it made this huge, loud sound. And they would dump it in there all, in all coins so that everyone else would look and go, Oh my word, did you hear how much offering he just gave? He must be one spiritual dude. And Jesus is saying, when you do that, when you do the right thing, because giving to God uh, one-tenth of your finances is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. It's not just a Steve thing. It's not just a bridge fellowship thing. It's a God thing, right? And when you do that, and you do it so that other people will recognize you as godly or spiritual, the Bible, Jesus says, I hope you don't expect any reward for that in heaven because you just got your reward. Because what you were looking for is for people to go, oh, so spiritual, so spiritual. And you just got it. So that's all you get, right? So what he says is, in in verse 3, he says, so instead of that, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't 
do things so other people will notice. Do it so people's lives will be changed by Jesus Christ, the one you serve in the first place. Like, that, that's why we do this. And so, so what does that have to do with everything we're talking about today? Well, look at this question on the screen. Why do you do the things you do for God? Just let that sink for a minute. Like, whatever that is, if it's inviting someone to church, if it's serving in the kids' department, if it's helping set up and tear down, and by the way, that's a perfect moment for me. Um, so today we have, uh, we have Discover the Bridge. We've got some people out today. Please, if you can, even if you have never met us before and you know how to stack chairs, God bless you, right? Just stay and, and help us today, okay? And, and, and help our teardown crew. So that, that's something you can do for God. But whether it's that or giving uh, money or helping orphans or widows or the homeless, whatever it is, the question again is, why are you doing that? Why, why do you do those things? Is it because you think that God will like you better? Because that's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. Is it so that people look at you? And like, I think sometimes Christians are like this. We go and do all the right things, but secretly we're hoping someone will go, bless your heart, you are just such a great person. And on the outside, our response is something like this. Oh, I'm just trying to help people and obey God, right? But on the inside, we're like, you're darn right, I'm spiritual, much more spiritual than you are because you didn't even go help the orphans like I did last week, and I haven't seen you drop anything in the plate, and don't give me that online giving stuff because I'm sure you don't. That's what we're thinking inside, right? By the way, we have online giving, in case you guys didn't know that. So, anyway... So here's the problem with that whole mentality of doing whatever you do so that other people notice you. The problem is when you do that and they notice you, that's it. That's all the reward you get. That's all the joy and, and reward you get for doing what you did. Because that's what you were seeking in the first place is earthly recognition. So wh- why, why would you go tomorrow to work and go, okay, listen. I've been working with you for a year, and I've been going to this church, and I've been a little nervous about asking you, but you got to come check this out. Just come see for yourself. Why would you do that? Because they need the same hope and peace and joy that you have. And, and hang on. I know what you're thinking, because there's some people in here today, dude, I come to church every day, and I'm joy short, Right? I'm missing some hope myself right now. Why in the world would I go share it with somebody else? Listen to me. I didn't, I didn't say that you exude hope, peace, and joy every day. I'm saying it's available to you because of what Jesus did on the cross and because you've handed over the keys of your life to him. You have the right and the ability to live in hope and peace and joy and purpose and strength every day of your life. We don't always choose that, but it's available. And you're the one that's sitting in the cubicle or next door to that person or you live next door to them or you work out at the gym with them or your kids play on the same sports team or you fill in the blank for your life. Listen to me. Please don't miss this. God divinely put you there for a reason. You are on mission. Like that's why he has you there. Even the annoying people. Like, even the ones you secretly don't like, you're like, I don't even know if I want them in heaven. Okay, well, that's between you and God, okay? That's something you're going to have to confess and get over. By the way, that's a little moment here. You're going to be shocked at the people you run into in heaven. 
Have you ever thought of that, right? You're going to bump into someone, and you're going to go, you got in? And you know what they're thinking? You got in? Right? Like, heaven is going to be full of broken, messy people who got the same sweet deal that me and you got. Jesus died on the cross and paid for all my crappy stuff. And all I had to do is hand over the keys of my life, and I get to go. And so the only reason, the only reason that we do those kind of things is to, so that they can have what we have. Now, Jesus takes it a step further in the previous chapter. Same talk, same speech. He goes like this. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He's talking to us now, not just people 2,000 years ago. He says, in the same way, let your light, and by the way, in the same way as he's talking about a city set on a hill, and if you have a, a candle, you wouldn't put it under a, you know, he's like, so he's talking about light, okay? So he says this, in the same way, let your light so shine before others that they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. I love how the New Century Version says this. We don't use this version very often, but look how it words it in the same verse. It says, in the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they'll see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. Now, I don't want you to get stuck, too stuck on the, on, on the words good things there because good things could be smiling at someone. It doesn't mean that you have to be a perfect life or a perfect person if you're going to say to somebody, come and see. I am saying if you're going to treat that person terribly, probably not the right moment to invite them, right? But all of the things you do, that's part of this invest and invite, serving them. And, and the, the greatest thing that you could ever do to get someone to want to come to the church that you go to, listen to me, please don't miss this, is to show them in lots of different ways that you genuinely care for them. Because most of the people, and some of you know this because you're walking this road or you have recently, most of the people that you know in your life are very skeptical of God things because they've been sold a bad version by lazy Christians. I know what you're thinking. You're pretty fired up today. Okay, this is a big topic, right? Because this is how we make heaven fuller and hell emptier. This is the way we do it, right? So let's sum it up like this. Look, look on the screen with me. Everything you do with your life, everything, should be done so that other people can meet Jesus and find the same peace, hope, joy that you have. Everything. Your job. The way you take care of your yard and maybe your neighbor's yard. The way you help people in your community. Everything you do with your life should be done so that other people can meet Jesus. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so time out. Listen very carefully to everything else I'm about to say, okay? Because we're about to close, the band's going to come, and, and we'll be done for today. But please don't miss what I'm about to say, okay? As a church, as a church family, we are built of many individual Christians. But when we come together in this group, we are a family. And this church is an intentional outreach church. We're not going to apologize for it. We're going to find ways to keep reaching out to our community. That's why when mission teams come in here, we send them out to area businesses with donuts. We send pizzas to our first responders. We do uh, a summer splash VBS in different neighborhoods. We're doing that not so we can go, good job, Bridge. You guys are awesome. We're doing that so people can meet 
Jesus. Does that make sense? Like that, that's why we do everything. So let, let me pause because I'm going to walk through a bunch of things that you need to know about our church in the coming, in the coming months and years even, okay? But first, I want, I want you to know what happened last Sunday. So if you didn't make it last Sunday, we had our fall kickoff. We had our tailgate out here. People, by the way, listen to this. We had 126 people sign up for life groups last week. 126 people. That's amazing. And, and listen, I know some of you didn't make it and you're wondering, can I still sign up? Absolutely. Listen, in, over here at the Get Connected table, there's a list. You can go on our website, bridgecos.com, and there's all of them there. In fact, there's an email to each life group leader connected to that website, so you can just click on that, email them, and find out when they're meeting and all that kind of stuff. Listen, it was an amazing day, but here's what happened. For the first time since I've been the pastor of this church, I was out in the hall right before I came in to teach, and I ran into a family, uh, probably a family of four or five or so people, and they had little kids, right, little bitties, and uh, I said, I could tell they kind of had a perplexed look on their face, and, and I said, is everything okay? Yeah, there's just a lot of kids in there today, and so we're going to take them in the service with us, right? Now, time out. Having a lot of kids in kids' ministry is a really good thing. Does everybody agree with that? Like, that's the idea, right? Um, and, and listen, we're constantly making decisions on the fly. We're, we're changing things. And so here's what happened from last week, okay? We knew it was going to be a big week. Starting immediately, we've got to open a fourth kids' room, maybe a fifth. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, clap. That's awesome, okay? But hang on before you clap too much. What that means is that we need more kids' workers, okay? Now, listen to me. Listen to me, okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing rocks at you today, but I, I want to speak honestly to you as your pastor. Christianity here at the Bridge Fellowship is not a spectator sport. God gifted you in a, in a multitude of ways. You may not know what that is yet, but we'll help you discover what that is. But He wants you to use those gifts. And some of the jobs we have in our kids' ministry, you don't even have to be real gifted. You just got to like kids. Like, just don't hate children. That's all we ask, right? Okay? And so here's the call that I'm making today, okay? If you're a parent and you have children that attend this church and you're not signed up to volunteer with Bridge Kids yet, today should be the day that you start because you're fully invested. You're, you're, you're more invested than anybody else, right? Even if you don't have kids here, listen to me. Okay, listen to me. Even if you don't have children here, I am going to take a turn. I'm going to take my rotation three or four times a year, and I'm going to go rock babies, okay? And if I can do it, you can do it. I haven't, I haven't had babies in my house in almost 20 years, right? And so if I can go and serve for a day, so can you. We need you, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Randy, our children's pastor, is going to be in the back when we leave today. He's got a Discover the Bridge shirt on. His sweet wife, Shelly, sitting right back here. Uh, and you can go see her, too. Listen, just go up. Don't worry about paperwork and all that. We'll get your background check done and all that kind of stuff. But just say, hey, I want to help take care of Bridge kids. Here's why. Listen to me. What would break my heart is for us to have people come in here, look inside a kid's room, too many kids, too few adults, and not come back. It'd be devastating, right? Because why do we do the things we do? 
so they can meet Jesus, so their kids can meet Jesus. Does that make sense? It, it, it makes sense, right? Okay. So let me, let, me, let me fire through these things real quick, and then, and then we'll close and, and be done. I want you to know who we want to be as a church. And I don't have a timeline on any of the things I'm about to tell you. I just want you to be excited about who we are who we are and what we want to be as a church, right? Some of this is one day when we grow up stuff, okay? Some of it is immediate. So listen to me. As a church, over the next months and years and decades, we will chase intentionally after the following. The poor and homeless. Struggling single moms. Orphans and foster care children. Special needs families, church plants. We have church planters here today. We've proven to you guys that we believe in church planters. We're not that church. Listen to me. If you, if you ever meet a church planter in our congregation, you put your arms around them and love them because they are in the fight of their life. It's the hardest thing they're ever going to do. And we believe one of the ways to reach people so that people can meet Jesus is by planting new churches. So we're going to keep doing that. We want to reach educators, military families, first responders. We're going to partner with an organization in San Francisco, California called City Impact who has started a school in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. And let me tell you who their customers are. They went out in the neighborhoods. If you don't know what the Tenderloin is, it's the scariest, most drug-infested, gang-infested neighborhood in San Francisco. And they went out and they said to these people who live here, the pimps, the, the drug dealers, they said, how can we serve you? And this was the answer they got. Start a school that my kids can go to in this neighborhood so they can get out of this neighborhood. And you know what? They did. And, and I love that. And we're going to partner with it. And one day we may duplicate that here in our community or our state. Does that make sense? So we're going to go to San Francisco. We're going to go to Barbados. And I know you're like, sign me up for that one. And listen to me, okay? Before you, if you've never been there, the coast looks real shiny and pretty. You go across the highway and it's sheet metal and cardboard. And they're really lost and hurting people there. And we're going to go there and we're going to tell them about Jesus so they can meet Jesus. We're going to go to Africa. A few years ago, Brandon and I both got to go to Tanzania, Africa, to a, to a mountain village where literally there are people that live there that have never heard the word Jesus. And we want them to hear that word because we think it's pretty life-changing. We're going to do that. We're going to go to Mexico and anywhere else that we feel like God is leading us to help people bump into Jesus, and we're not going to apologize for any of it. That's who we are as a church. And, and listen, I mean this as, as nicely as I can. If you're sitting here today and you've heard all that, and it's not for you, I'm okay with that. Because it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people, and the Bridge Fellowship is not for everybody. And I only want you to lock arms with this church family if you believe in what we're doing. And this is what we're going to be doing. Let's pray together. As we close today, and you came in today, you may have seen our communion stations across the room. Remember that question that was on the screen? Why do you do the things you do for God? And I hope the answer is somewhere in the neighborhood of because Jesus loved me and cut me a really sweet deal 
and offered me a brand new life. And because that's why we do the things we do, we're going to take a moment today at the end of our service and we're going to celebrate communion. Communion is is nothing mystical. Like there are people that believe that the the bread really turns into Jesus' body and the the wine or the juice turns into his blood. And we don't teach that here. We don't believe it. It's, It's a cracker and some juice. But what it represents is what Jesus did for me and you. At any moment that day, as Jesus hung on that cross, he could have called down the legions of angels from heaven and stopped everything and said, man, these people are going to turn their backs on me for centuries, for millennium. I'm not doing this for them. Scientists have even examined the kind of death that Jesus went underwent and, and they talked about how he died. And, and some scientists believe that Jesus' heart, while he was on that cross, his heart actually exploded. Roman soldiers didn't keep Jesus on the cross. His love for you and me did. And so, as we close today, what we're going to do is the band's going to continue to play and there are tables uh, in the front up here and in the back. Um, And I just want you to be able, at your own pace, to go up and grab one of those crackers and a cup of juice and just spend a moment either alone or with your family, however you want to do it, just remembering. Because after Jesus died and went back to heaven, one of the things he left is, hey, when you do this, this last supper, and that's what he had with his disciples, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember what Jesus has done for all of us. So I'm going to pray. The band's going to sing a couple of songs. When you're done, you just go back to your seat and continue to worship. And then Brandon will dismiss us when we're done. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. God, I don't know why you chose to do it this way, but for some reason you chose us broken, messy people to go out where we live and work and to reach other broken, messy people and introduce them to you. And Lord, I know we don't do it like we should all the time. I know we don't do it the way we should all the time. I know we blow it sometimes. God, because of what you did for us and because you've given us a fresh start and a brand new life, would you place within our hearts as we leave this place today a fire inside us that says, I've got to go tell people. I've got to get people here so they can hear about this Jesus that changed my life. And none of that is possible, Jesus, without what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And not just what you did on the cross, but the fact that three days later you rose from the dead and defeated death forever. That's why we do this. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys stand with us. We're going to worship. And as you feel free, there's one in the back, two tables up here at the front. Just help yourself.